Black. Cool. Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again. We are back for Over the Bridge podcast season two. Um, we're really excited about this one. We've got a lot lined up for the season ahead. Um, my name is Bilal, and this afternoon I am joined by... Tom, hi. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you. Hi. Hello. George, what's good? My name's George, the poet and panga, and these are my guys. We was in Cambridge together. If you don't know, now you know. Thank you very much for looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quirky, nice to be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the man they call P Money. Still, no oh, one's calling you that. No one's calling you that. Trying to make it work. Pete De Nero. Pete De Nero. Nice. Nice. Patrick, what's good, everyone? Cool. How's everyone been? Wavy. Wavy. Sweet, man. Like, it's like, been a good summer. It's been like, good. Maybe climate change isn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> what's been happening? What's the highlight? Okay, you know what the highlight is. Yeah, you know what the highlight is. The yeah, come highlight? on. Afropunk was Afro-punk, highlight. Afropunk, man. Oh, shit, I missed it. Yeah, just feel man in it. What happened? Afropunk. Oh, my. So, Afropunk, yeah, we actually realized that Tom should have a whole new name. Like, Tom was out here being geezer. Geezer, bro. yeah. Like, we just called him Tommy Dyer the way he was carrying <laughs> on. Right, right, let's have it. Let's have it. But <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it was, was actually. It sick, yeah? It was, yeah, 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 it was a lot, man. I'd actually want to go again next year. People are saying about going Brooklyn, you know, but I'm not Isn't that on right now? Yeah, like right now. Like, and then there's a there's a London one coming up soon as well. Yeah. I want to just tour it over the summer, just go to each. Yeah, city, like, yeah. And then yeah. they're doing um, they're doing Johannesburg oh, yeah. in December. Ooh, Come on, that would be wavy. That would be wavy. That would be wavy. Johannesburg what? might be a move next store. year. Yeah, well, at the end of this year, isn't it? But no, but let's go. I mean, I'm not going under this. Year. No, you ain't got no money like that. <laughs> no, I have no <laughs> money. Never do I'm not even gonna front. <laughs> I have nobody. You know what? My highlight. I just quit my job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah, quit yeah, my job in the last so week. Um, it's been a mad four years, but it's time for me to spread my own little. I'm going freelance. So yeah, we'll see okay. What That's crazy, man. Yeah, well, I don't know who I think I am. It's like I'm some big dog going freelance, but we'll brother, see. run that, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Creative control, make right. it happen. Self-employment. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually this podcast, you know, with all the things we talked about building Swear your own down. space. I was like, okay, time. yeah, let's mm. let's go. There we go, man. Yeah, it's already dapper chocolates loaded in it. Yeah. Loading, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Chocolatier. Oh. Chocolatier. Loading. Hopefully Willy next Wonka. month got something coming up, up for you guys. Yeah. I was preying up the Instagram the other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bro, <laughs> wait. Can you tell us more? About the business? Oh, shit. I've never mentioned it before. Never. Yeah, please plug it, oh, man. Mad. Yeah, yeah. So Dapper Chocolates is a family-run uh, business that I'm setting up with uh, myself, my siblings, with my brother and my sister. What we're doing is producing chocolate from the bean to the bar. Um, sourcing from different locations in Africa. Jeez. At the moment, we got uh, sourcing locally. Well, I say locally, obviously, I'm from Ghana. So, sourcing from a, a cooperative farm in Ghana, um, making lovely vegan chocolates, dairy free, so it's uh, accessible to everyone, got allergies, whatever the case is. Um, and yeah, looking forward to, to pushing that business. Hopefully, it should be soft launching at some point next month. And then see how things go, and then yeah, make it make it more widely accessible. We got a lot of good feedback so far. Got a lot of um, love from people yeah. um, regarding the chocolate. I think yeah, I got my hands. Definitely had a chance I've, to taste. I've, I've yeah. got my hands on some of those. They're, nice, they're delicious. Couple man have tasted it. So yeah, the, the I couldn't. Like, I don't even like chocolate. I just kept eating it. It's just yeah. so it's delicious. Nice. Man. It's more. Yeah. some yeah. more free samples to that. For the, for the next the, session, hey, next yeah, bring some free samples, man. Yeah, for sure. Nice. What about you, George? What's been happening? Um, cool. You know, pushing my, my own podcast. Have you heard George's podcast? I was recently in Uganda. Um, um, then just popping up in different spaces, man. Um, yeah, poetry. And I'm, I'm, I'd, I'm trying to sound humble. Royal weddings and that. Yeah, royal royal weddings. Weddings. Come on, bro. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> you guys have been humble. Like, oh, I'm just popping off his face. Oh, no. You know what? I heard your voice in the advert the other so day as well. Apple. Yeah. Apple, 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 Apple thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't you do one for F1 as well? Yeah. yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was like the cold. Monaco, I did two season closes as well. Come on. Wow. Man, the Singapore Grand Prix last year. Hey, this guy, man. In it, man. I feel washed now. <laughs> P money. Why are you asking me after George like that? Man? <laughs> nah, man. Um, it's been good. Life's all right. Work settled down. You know. Mm. Um, 
I've moved departments slightly at work, so yeah, um, I'm doing a bit more of what I am good at, which is um, journalism and marketing. So I'm I'm happy, man. That's nice. amazing. Yeah. yeah, element. Yeah. yeah. All right, people glowing and growing, man. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. it. It's, it's stay blessed. But today, um, the topic that we really want to get into is this idea, as we all know, we hear it all the time, this idea of go back to where you're really from, yeah? You say like, people go, where are you from? And they say, oh, I'm from Niesden. And then they go, no, where are you really from? You're like, oh, I'm from London. And then they just say like, no, where are you really, really from though? Mm. Um, and we want to un- unpack that question, but I want to come at it from a different angle because we've heard this question so many times, right? And people have this conversation all the time. And a question I want to pose to you guys, and I just want someone to jump in, is um, should we go back to where, um, where we're really from? Special guest, George. Okay, we were just, I'm just trying to remember what we were talking about just before. So part of it, obviously, is the question of what need there is for us back home. Um, mm. Secondly, even just unpacking that further, what is home? Mm-hmm. What constitutes as where you're from? Is it the place that you identify with the most? Mm. Is mm. it the place that the land of your ancestry mm. What exactly is home? So like, for me, that's that's a very funny question because I see need on both sides mm. and mm. I'm embraced on both sides. Mm. So where I grew up, Northwest London, St. Raph's Estate and all communities like it, let's say the inner city of London or the English inner city, I identify with a lot of the working class black experience here. Working class is just, uh, it's very problematic for us. So let's not say that, but the, some of the challenges um, that have pervade, pervaded our generation mm-hmm. um, of, 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 of black people, they've always been, they've always called me to a sense of purpose. They've always called me to, to, to contribute to um, improving um, the, the conditions that our, our community exists in. But then I go to Uganda and there's a whole different set Mm -hmm. of needs Mm -hmm. and I'd love to contribute there as well Mm -hmm. Um, the extent to which I'm qualified to that's another question altogether Mm -hmm. I don't know if you lot can can identify with any of that yeah yeah no I think um, the need in the the need is always quite interesting so people who have heard the podcast know what I do I, I look at industrial companies and these industrial companies often talk about the promise that there is in Africa and they're not they're not talking they're not being gimmicky about it as well they're actually saying that things that are important in africa which we take for granted one is power and the second is mobility and i cover companies that do both those things and it's like it's a very different need that africa has but whether it needs me as in tom to actually go and provide some quote intellectual capital unquote i'm not necessarily sure of we know that there are things that have to be done Mm. professionals say there are things that have to be done and they can genuinely explain um but to, I think to your second point, George, there is always a question of even though, um, even though I think it's it's a question of do do we have this perception that we needed? Mm-hmm. Because often we think, ah, oh, because we're here in the West. Um, I've heard people say this often a lot, especially for like international students as well who come here and then either stay here and say I don't want to go back home or something like that. There's a question of am I actually needed or can can where I'm from and by from in this case I mean my ancestry is there actually a need for me to necessarily go back and that's kind of something i've never really had the the time or space to think about so yeah mm. so i'm kind of i'm i'm equally as confused i guess so. yeah I'd, i'm very similar in that sense in terms of whether there's a need i'm probably more inclined to say that there is because particularly within the context of ghana they've even set up like a whole department within the government like trying to appeal to the diaspora because they realize there's certain training or certain expertise that you may have mm. here that could be of value back mm. home and i say that kind of conflicted because i also know of a lot of there's a lot of young people mm. that have been to university got master's degrees got everything like education wise and they're still unemployed or mm. doing in manual labor in ghana yeah. you know what i mean so mm. it does feel well, okay just because i've been studying here I have more value to add than these people there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. As well as that, there's also probably more on a selfish level <laughs> going back. And obviously I've been born and raised in London. So there's certain quality of life or standard of living things mm. that I'm used to where 
Hmm. I'm quite adaptable as it is, but like certain things, for instance, infrastructure and transportation and is ma- is frustrating. Yeah. I'll get frustrated. Yeah. I won't even yeah. lie. Yeah. Okay. And secondly, there's a language barrier as well. So mm. in terms of communication, obviously in a professional setting, that's cool. Like the uh what's it, lingua franca mm-hmm. in um for business is English. So yep. I could get away with that, but like Understanding the context of like the socioeconomic issues there, yeah, from an outsider's perspective, unless I'm getting a lot of information from the locals, I don't know how much I can really add yeah. or I can really be useful in improving the situations there. Um, but ideally, I think I, I would want to contribute in some sense. I think there is always that bit of you that thinks, like, right, okay, I want to help mm. out the situation back home. Mm. Um, and what you were saying, Tom, about like international students that come here for the purpose of studying, I think that, again, there is the expectation that they do go back home and whatever yeah. they've learned from outside, they can bring it back in. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the times when they don't do that is because they feel like, okay, cool, if I was to go back home, there's nothing really for me. Yeah. Like, at mm. least I can earn money here and maybe yeah. send money back to my family as opposed to trying to come back and you're struggling a bit to find your space. Yeah. So yeah, equally conflicted as, as you two, man, yeah. for sure. It's funny because you, you talked about how there's a, there's a selfish um, aspect that you've got to consider. For me, it's the same, but in the inverse sense. So I'm selfish in that I find things when I go home for myself that I, co- I couldn't find here. Mm-hmm. Mm. I find a sense of... Um, of um, yeah... Africanness of involvement, mm. of acceptance, inclusion mm. mm-hmm. that I can't always find over here. What's mm. stopping you from finding that here, though? Um, I think structural it's, racism. That's what we were talking about before as well. You know, like when you were talking about how Brent, who's the sound engineer guy, the guy that owns the studio, um, being from Trinidad, there's a different kind of confidence to him, which you don't really. Like here, you don't really see among yeah. black guys yeah. or you black mm. people, because mm-hmm. um, mm. um, yeah, yeah Carlo was talking about this in his book how like when he goes back to Jamaica or when he goes and travels um, to like let's say West Africa, he notices that the black people there they carry themselves differently, mm. uh, and it's in a way that isn't almost uh, apologetic or kind of uh, lacking in self-confidence mm-hmm. so there's a way that we have been taught to view ourselves um and see each other mm-hmm. uh that obviously is you know it's inherently negative like we all know the, the stereotypes around black people especially in the uk mm-hmm. and what ends up happening against our our better judgment and against our wishes we end up internalizing that and and um kind of yeah it becoming Almost like a, I can't remember what the term is now. Um, not like a living prophecy, but basically self-fulfilling. Self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I didn't mean to cut you off there, George. No, that's 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 obviously an extension of everything we was talking about before. For me, um, yeah, you asked about what was what's holding me back from feeling fully included and fully appreciated out here. I think. Um, the more you learn about racism, I remember uh, Tupac, oh, uh, there's one Tupac quote that I'll never forget. He's like, as a black man, um, once you get an understanding and awareness of your situation, seconds after that comes anger. And the older I get, the more I understand because it's like, so much. <laughs> in 2015, I went to the TED conference in Vancouver. And these people were talking, they were literally arguing about when Earth implodes, access to Mars, should it be economically <laughs> considered? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, should it be arranged social economically? Your access to Mars, oh should, it, should it reflect how much money you got? Yeah. We're dying down here on Earth. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you get, you get on Mars? <laughs> Interplanetary exploration. Yeah, that's all bad. Wow. I was, like, I was blown away. I was like, this is what you think about when you're free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where your mind 
levitates to when it's not shackled down yep. Mm. Yep. to the struggle. That's yeah. yeah, I'll never forget one of my friends once said, you need to carry yourself with the confidence of the most average white man. And I was like, <laughs> you know what, yeah? A, you know in the morning when you, I don't know if you ever find us on your way to work, yeah? Just walking through the train station. And sometimes just the way that the most average white guy going to work walks <laughs> through the station is different. It's like they walk like they're ready to yeah. push people out the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like one, one, one thing that I love that white people do, I mean, I hate it, but I love it because it's entertaining. See two black people talking. Sorry, yeah, just just cut straight yeah. into man's conversation. Yeah. But it's that confidence. It's like yeah, entitlement as well. It's, it's like yeah, you know, I like I know what my intentions are. I'm not thinking mm. of myself as rude in this instant, mm. and I, I hope you don't take it that way. No, and I guess it's um, I guess it goes back to what you were saying, Pat. That you know, people perhaps there's a there's a, a thing of in this country we don't have that sense of entitlement that perhaps back home i use that in inverted commas yeah. people carry themselves with because it's their space and they feel like yeah. i've got ownership over well it says so much about how we 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 consider ourselves and how we're seen as as um british people because mm. all of us in this room um by definition we're british but we don't feel british mm. right we don't Imagine feel as that. british mm. as yeah, mm. white British people, and we don't feel as comfortable in which is supposed to be our space where we've lived, if not all of our lives, most of our lives. Mm. It's mad, isn't it? When you think about it, yeah, this is where we live, like, uh, but we still don't feel that comfortable but, here to the point where George is saying that in Uganda, he feels more comfortable, yeah, we're, there, we're, where he, he, he can at least vibe with um, yeah. a sense of African unity, yeah, there more. Sense. Like, yeah, it makes sense to us, but then when you unpack it and think about it for a second, it's like. That's mad. Like, the, thing, the thing is, for me, um, I, I kind of come up with this, this question with a whole different angle. Like, should I go back to where I'm from when I'm from loads of different places? Like, where am I supposed to go? Yeah, which, which I could be traveling around on a plane forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. My legs are going here, my arms are going there. Um, but I recently was in Jamaica and that's what, you know, I had a, a, a really good holiday, family holiday in Jamaica, yeah. which is where my mom's sort of pictures from. Bruv. I was, I was nice, you know. Yeah, I need to go back. I was just, I'm still where fat. I was eating so much bread fruit out there. Um, but when I was out there, where, where, that where belly was there from before, man. Don't Shut up, man. Hey, cut that bit out. Um, yeah, I went to St. Thomas, which is where my grandma lives. Okay. And then we sort of traveled around, went to the grill for a day, spent a couple of days in Kingston and stuff like that. But mm. the point I'm trying to make is when I was out there, I did feel a sense of this is home. Yeah. Like, this is where my grandparents decided to migrate from to come mm. here for a better life mm. but that migration was only ever supposed to be temporary right mm. like i don't mm. think they came with the intention of generations later mm. we'd all still be here yeah i yeah. don't think so i think from, from my dad was, yeah from the things that they've said i don't ever think that they came they, i don't other than my granddad who's still here he lives in plasto mm. but my grandma went back to jamaica and stuff and i don't I think they left to go there for the opportunity of work, mm -hmm. but I don't think they ever really imagined that years later they'd yeah. still be in. Yeah. I, I was impressed with like, what they found. British, Windrush, yeah. Nah, they came just after actually, a okay. little bit after like in the sixties. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very, very. I think actually my grandma come Windrush time, but my grandma came a bit yeah. after. But mm. and I do. It goes back to this question: like, should I go back there because? Because I was never supposed to be here in the first place, if that's if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. was I ever supposed to be here? But then I wouldn't exist if you but know, you're here, <laughs> in it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, mm. And if I do go back to where I'm from, like, whenever I do go there, I don't know if you found this, but people, if anyone who's gone back to sort of their home countries, like, mm. people just see you as you're, you're a tourist. They just know straight away mm. that yeah. you're not mm. born there. They, can, yeah, they just yeah. tell by the way you're dressed. I don't yeah. know what it is. Like, I, heard, I heard one of my brothers you met Jamaica. He's like. One time he's just walking with his cousin or whatever, and then someone stops and said, Oh, you're not from here, are you? Mm. And he's like, No, nah, what, what do you mean? Like, how can you tell? And he's like, You don't walk like us. Yes. Mm. I said, From your walk, I can tell you're not just, <laughs> like, you're not born yeah. here. Yeah. When I was in Barbados, the way they could tell was that my um, my feet were too pale, innit? Because I don't wear, <laughs> I, wear I would be obviously in the Let's UK. See your feet, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's because obviously in the UK, <laughs> they, were like, they were like, They were like, We can tell because we can tell that you wear socks. Yeah. yeah. You have like a line on your foot mm. from where you need to. And I was like, the rest yeah. of that holiday, I was in the sun like this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, um, that's, I mean, for me, like, I'm not going to lie. Like my connection to the West Indies um, is via other people. Like I don't go there enough to be like, you know, mm. yeah. I'm Jamaican or I'm Bajan. Like when I go back, well, at least when I went to Barbados when I was like 19, mm. I felt, I did feel very much at home. 
But I think if someone said to me, right, that's it, this is where you're going to live for the rest of your life, mm. I would have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I don't have any illusions that I'm I'm British. But the, the problem with that is, is that this country doesn't actually like me very much. Mm. Um, so it's just, it's tough, isn't it? Because it's like, I'm British, I'm black British, and I'm very proud of that. In fact, I'm more likely to say I'm from London than I am to say that I'm from the UK because I feel like London is 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 itself a very unique yeah, experience. Yeah, we discussed this last year. Especially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially in terms of like diversity and, and actually growing up with loads of different, you know, ethnicities yeah. and cultures and whatever else. Mm. But it's like, um, I think for me, I just came to terms with the fact that there's not going to be anywhere where I can say at least for a long time that I feel 100% at home mm. yet. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because my experience as a child of an immigrant means that I'm stuck in limbo. Mm. Um, yeah. the, the country that I was born and raised in doesn't love me like it loves a, like its white population. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mm. see me as British as much as the others. Um, if I go back to, if I go to Jamaica, if I go to Barbados, you know, as much as I, I can understand the culture to an extent and my dad is Jamaican and my no, no, my family's Jamaican and on my mum's side they're all Bajan I'm not Bajan I'm mm. not Jamaican um, they will tell that I'm not from there by probably how I walk definitely from how I talk <laughs> probably from how much from I feet sweat as well and my feet, feet of course <laughs> so I reckon that's why me personally that's why I like travelling so much because at first it was a bit like upsetting like to know that there's nowhere that I can really see as home but then I was like but then that means that I can just go anywhere, you know, and I'll just, yeah, and I'll just find where I feel. So that I think, and then that's what part of the reason why I found it so easy to just move to Brazil. Brazil obviously has a lot of black people there as well, and you know you can mm. there's a there's a, a sense of belonging that you feel amongst loads of other black people. Mm. One thing I would say is if you, one thing I think black people should do, just slightly off topic, when you go on holiday, travel to black majority countries, man. It's really really good for your mental health. It's really so. good for your holiday Facts. experience because. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. It, I, I can't exactly put it into words, but when you are around a lot of black people, and especially when you're going on holiday and you're trying to relax and just take your mm. mind off of things, mm. you go to a black majority country as a black person, it does so much more for your mental health. Mm. Can, can, can I, I can, sorry, no, go. Can I try and put that into words though? Yeah, yeah. Because I had please. a very similar experience in when I was in Kenya. I was there for three months, right? And I think for me, what it was is, I didn't have to acknowledge the fact that I'm black. Yeah, that's probably it. I didn't have to think about the fact I'm black. I was just me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it was funny because I was out there with a group of um, just me. I like that volunteers, right? Majority of us black for some reason. That was that was funny. But there was a few white people as well, and they had to go through the experience of being called um, Mazungu. Mazungu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and feeling out of place. And do you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, Rod, this is how. It's funny to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jet that into my veins, bro. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that role reversal, bro. T- exactly. Yeah. Fully like Let a role me, I'd love shock. to see that. And yeah. seeing how they shock. react to that compared to like, wow. Yeah. Dead going through this for a couple of months. Like, this is my life, like, day to day. And can I just ask, it wasn't like people being deliberately like horrible to them or anything. Mm-hmm. They were just like, you're Mazungu, you're not. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. You're not, you know. They'll be called Mazungu like to their face. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah. sometimes it's not even in a derogatory way. It's yeah. just, boom, you're not from here. You're like, yeah. you're, you're white. Would, or they, ever call, category, would yeah. they ever call a, a black foreigner Mazungu though? Because in, really? in Brazil, like the way that they do it is like um, the name for foreigner is gringo, right? Okay. In other Latin American countries, that normally means someone that's white and North American. Mm. But in Brazil, it just means anyone that's not foreign. Okay. So they would call me a gringo. Okay. So I'm saying, so I think for like travelers that go there, it's not as bad for them if you're like white because it's like okay, I'm a gringo, but he's also a gringo. We're yeah. all gringo. we're all gringos, you know. <laughs> but like in 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 Kenya, like would they call you a Mazungu, for example? I was never called a Mazungu. Um, that's a good question. I don't know actually. I think they would call like they would definitely call someone fair skinned Mazungu. Mm. Mm. Someone, yeah. so, mm. someone who, um, and if they knew someone well enough to know their character. Mm. And um, for, like, for example, in Uganda, because we have the same word, yeah? Guys are hella relaxed about timekeeping. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it will annoy me. Yeah. Mm. And someone who someone who knows me would explain to someone who doesn't know me, yo, you kind of got to keep this guy's... Like, yeah. 
he's a muzungu in that in that yeah, way. Do you yeah, get yeah. me? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they don't do yeah. things like Ruff. us. I remember <laughs> I was in I was in yeah. Jamaica, yeah, and I love KFC, but this took the piss. It was forty five minute queue just to get KFC, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, when you get to the front, it's like, what? What they even do it? Like, no, they just don't get yeah, the timekeeping. Yeah, yeah. And then it's things like that that make me think, okay, you're is, British, man. I'm British. Yeah, yeah, like, is this home? Yeah, yeah. I'm born here, but I, you know, mm. there's certain things that wind me up. Mm. But I want to move the conversation on and bring yeah. Tommy Dyer back in. Yeah. Jeez. So hello. Uncle Tommy. Hello. I'm Hello. Why do I get the same Tommy Dyer like all of a sudden? I, I'm wearing a West Ham shirt right now. Yeah, see, he's wearing a West Ham shirt. Two parts of the packet of crisps, mate. I want to ask, like, do we, as people who um, in this room are quite educated, right? And do we have a responsibility to, mm-hmm. to go back home? Do we, are, is it, or am I think, are we thinking too highly of ourselves that we've got something to offer? I mm-hmm. honestly think that, like, the, the the short answer to that question, I think, is yes. But uh, let me just go back a bit. I think the um, responsibility is a loaded word. And to me, is in the sense that we have something that we can offer um, that we perceive. And I think a lot of that is the portrayal of um, Africa, the Caribbean. It's a portrayal that we are, like people, it's what is shoved into people's faces about how how much of a dire situation a lot of these places are in. When actually, don't get me wrong, there's work to be done, but it's not as dire as people make it out to seem, right? And so I don't, I'd like to do business in Africa. One, because I think there's a lot of money to be made and I think it'd be Facts. nice to make a contribution. If I, I honestly think that mm. now, I think um, when you look about the world's kind of growth engines, America's kind of, or whatever, it's, you know, in the, the whole idea of having big manufacturing companies like Ford and General Electric, that, that era is gone, right? Um, China being the world's engine, it's kind of now gone. Mm. China used to grow at like 12, 15%. It's grown at 6% and it's slowing down by the day because... There's a growing middle class in China, which means that they're now not doing the menial jobs as they once would have done before. And the interesting Mm. thing about China as well, for people who don't know, is that China has this great ability of using the state to buy up European and um, American companies and reverse engineer their products. Um, Mm. So there's a company, a a car manufacturer called Landwind who makes cars which look exactly like Land Rover. So you can find a, a, a Range Rover Sport in China that isn't made by Land Rover, even though they have cherry Land Rover in China. Mm. Um, so China has this great ability and now it's changing and it's becoming, it's not becoming the world's exporter. By definition, that leaves Africa, generally speaking, as the world's exporter of several raw materials that are still there. Mm. Um, you name it. One of the interesting things that I've I've seen and observed, at least from the job, is, is, is cobalt, which is used in our mobile phones. It's being used in electric vehicles. Mm. And the demand for that is rapidly um, surging. And most of the majority of that can be found in um, the DRC. Um, the point being um, that I honestly believe that it would be nice to go and implement some of the skills and some of the, the, the points that we've all learned and do something Mm. But I don't think that's a responsibility. I, and and I don't think it's like, I, unless, unless the state were to come and say, okay, I require, you know, I, I need your help. I need like the help of, you know, expats and stuff. I say expats because that's what the um, United Arab, Arab Emirates did when the, the Shah back in the, so if, you, if you've ever seen, I encourage people to have a look at what the UAE, particularly the um, Dubai, which is one of the Emirates, what it looked like in the 1960s, right? The Shah had a great belief that said um, he doesn't want to rely on oil anymore. And he said, the day we pull out the last drop of oil out of the UAE is a great time. And that is why you've seen Dubai as well as Abu Dhabi, as well as probably not so much of the other, other Emirates and stuff because of um, they're more, they're more um, sort of religiously um, placed, so they will still be conservative. But the reason why those countries have opened up their doors is a belief that they have to change. And so they have required, the, and they've gone, they've said to loads of people, you go to Oxford, you go to Cambridge, you go to LSE, and you come back and you bring the skills mm. from the West and you work with these people. And I think it'd be great if Africa could do that. But I don't know if it's, I don't want to say it's responsibility. I think that's a strong word, but I think it'd be great to do. Most, not not least because it's a, a selfish way of me making more money than I could ever make mm. here in, in, in London. So mm. I think, I think we all have to engage, to, to, to your point, we have to engage with two concepts, yeah, to varying degrees. One is the idea of 
social responsibility, generally trying to improve the world that you live in. Now, there are degrees of social responsibility. For some people, that's subscribing to a charity. To others, that's giving some of your time to your local community. But when you look on a global scale, um, you find that you, you start to engage with this other concept that, that, that we all need to consider, which is imperialism. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you find that there are basically camps that drive certain activities, mm-hmm. certain social mm-hmm. economic trends, certain mm-hmm. geopolitical trends, camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two big camps in, in that are constantly looming over all of us, obviously. Mm-hmm. Russia and America, yeah. Mm-hmm. Generally, um uh uh Western Western supremacy versus Right? Mm. Yeah. So like the more you consider social uh, responsibility and you think about ways that you can contribute to the causes that matter the most, what I personally found is that I care about the um I don't want to say the underdog, but I find it l- more logical to dedicate my efforts to people that to go tend not to get point. help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which ends up being against the status quo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the people that tend to get overlooked. Mm-hmm. I've also found that 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 as diverse as black people are, getting overlooked might be the one thing that we all have in common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just through a series, basically process of elimination, what is important, what is not important. And the more I cross things off my list, the more I'm left with representing advocating for empowering Mm -hmm. and understanding more about people of african descent that Mm. that is like objectively just through like i said that logical process that ends up being one of the best things that i can dedicate my time to Mm -hmm. because of the things that i've mentioned the fact that you do want to improve the world and there are you know the the people that it makes sense to help are the downtrodden or the or or the oppressed Mm -hmm. And also just the idea that if we don't represent, if we, if, if we don't contribute to the societies that have informed who we are mm. or kind of um, shaped our heritage, mm-hmm. then someone else will. Someone else is going to pattern that. Yeah. And we're just going to have to sit out another season. Well, like China's yeah. doing in Africa China's right now. And the yeah. Caribbean, bro. Yeah. Yeah. The Caribbean. Yeah. They yeah. Are, they're just taking over Jamaica. It's mm. like, oh, we'll yeah, build it's this oh, we'll I was going to say, school. it's interesting okay. what you said about imperialism and... Um, and I, I agree. And but when I think about Africa, the reason why um, China, to a larger degree, has been able to um, place itself in several countries in Africa and the Caribbean is because of the system of Western imperialism. Mm. And so you were saying earlier that there is a, a that we all have on some kind of level a need to further develop the world in a certain sense, and. Two of the institutions, at least from an economic point, which economic point of view, which you would assume would have that responsibility, would be the IMF and the World Bank. Just be, especially the World Bank is a development bank, and the IMF just because it's an international monetary fund, it kind of knows the world as we know it, right? Madame Lagarde, who now is the the president of the IMF, said, "No, we're a bank like no other. If we lend any country funds, it has to pay us money back," and that was kind of. Um, imp- I won't say important. It was important, but it was also disappointing because, you know, the IMF gives a lot of bilateral loans to African countries. And for her to now say, oh, well, you're going to have to pay me back under the same terms that you would go to any investment bank and get funding from, says it all that they're not actually, this is a clearly an imperialism play. Mm-hmm. This is where China comes in with a very different model, as I said before. And I say to any, anyone, if you want to understand what China are trying to do, their MO, go read a, a, a thing about called Made in China 2025. They have a goal of 10 different areas where they want to be the world's best at different things. Um, manufacturing and is definitely one of them. Um, but the point being is that realizing that the, the IMF are going to treat various countries in a certain way, even though these countries, by the way, I, may, I might make the important point, are trying to actually clean up house. So no, they're not trying. A lot of these countries are trying. Um, the Chinese come and say, okay, I'll give you a bilateral line, very cheap, um, but I'll give it to you on the condition that we can go in and we can put in our infrastructure and we can do these things. And it's almost like they are the ones catching the next wave. As I said before, China's looking for the place. China is looking for which country will do what it has been doing previously before. Right, okay. And, and it seems right, like they are now... Okay. 
because there are so many. And another interesting thing about China, which I find fascinating, that I've I've kind of learned on the job, is that the the Chinese system, the communist the communist system, this kind of quasi communist capitalist system, means that you can have these state owned enterprises that are very very important, and the government. Um, of the day will give these companies, there's a massive company called Chem China. Um, go look it up. In 2015, they bought Pirelli. We all know Pirelli, the tire, mm -hmm. tire company, tier one tire company up there with Conti, up there with Michelin. You know, they bought that. They bought a company called Syngenta, which is one of the world's biggest agricultural makers, right? This is what, this is what their ammo is. They say, right, we're going to take things which have already been developed and we're going to do it, right? The OEMs, i.e. the manufacturers, like Dongfeng, Shang'an, these are like basically the BMWs and Daimlers of this world, Daimlers, Mercedes-Benz, and Smartbike, by the way. They go in and say, actually, I'm going to buy a shitload of stuff from Congo for, for Cobalt. I'm going to buy this and this and this. And that's kind of the way they're doing this. And it was almost like, I feel that the capitalism I see in the world and day-to-day -day talking to these companies way overshadows the, the, the public good that these companies and institutions and countries want to create. So it's like, mm. and bringing it back down, it's like, where do I come in? What can I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, that's why I was thinking about, because it's not so much responsibility that moves me there, it's more opportunity yeah. there. Okay. And also because of the fact that I have ancestors in Africa, I believe I would, I would, my interest would be more well-vested mm. um, than what someone else would do for the sake of pure exploitation. Don't get me wrong. If I go and do business in Africa, I want my cut. But I'm not going to go and completely, do you know what I mean? Like right. mm. wipe them out. Yep. That's the thing. And that's mm. what I've seen. And honestly, I'd say to people, if you really want to understand someone's MO, go read up Made in China 2025. Mm. They've snipped away at so many of the world's best companies, you know, taking what we call non-core assets, assets mm. that aren't looked after. And they just say, well, we'll take it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll mm. do it. And they are trying to become the world's best at whatever they do, right? There are some areas that they can't necessarily access yeah. as of yet, but yeah, they will get there, mm. you know? So, yeah. What you said just now about, um, <clears throat> so sort of uh, going to work in West Africa or anywhere in Africa, um, because you have like a kind of, uh, you, ha you, 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 descend, you descend from there, it means that the way that you would conduct yourself in a business sense would be a lot, well, would be, it wouldn't be exploitative. It would be more respectful and it would be more, mm. is, is that what you were saying? Yeah, right? no, I of, guess course, that's what you, of course. Cause yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the ideas that sort of came to mind when we was talking before. And it's like, well, we know that, you know, for example, in, in Africa, um, there's going to be a lot of movers and shakers. There's going to be a lot of investment, mm -hmm. but, if it comes from a very kind of the, from the Western sort of capitalist tradition, it's going to be purely exploitative. Mm. So us as members of the diaspora, even though we're from the West, are we, uh, can we, can we say that, you know, we may be Western, but because we have a tie to these countries, or at least we have a tie to the diaspora, we would almost kind of act as a buffer. Is that, is it, is that too, mm. is that too, um, no, am I, I being am I being too a, kind no, of? No, I don't. I don't. But, but we, we, we'd actually, if like if 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 we don't go in there and and you know work or whatever else yeah. or go back to where we come from and invest and whatever else, somebody else is going to do it. But they'll just do a worse version. Let me of tell it. you, it's it's tell you a quick, quick, I don't know, it's quick story. So I think I don't know if it was De Beers, but one of the diamond I can't remember who it was. A diamond producer went into a country in um, in Africa. I think it was Namibia. I can't remember the story was told to me such a long time ago. They went to the state and said, listen. We want to buy out this mine for, I think it was two two fifty million, and they said yeah, it looked like a good deal, two fifty million for a mine. Um, but this company was able to make that amount of money in a month mm. from the mine, yeah. right? So it's it's that's what I'm saying about the exploitation thing. And it's like when I think about um, companies that are national treasures across the world mm -hmm. in various industries, these companies, all of them have played the long game. All of them have said, I'm not going to be, I'm obviously going to try and stay alive and afloat and make a profit, but mm. I'm going to do something for the better good. I'm going to create jobs, um, which obviously for any administration, that's the most important thing. But this whole Trump and trade thing, it's all about where, where did the jobs come from? Where did they go? That's what it boils down to. But it's, do I create jobs? Do I create infrastructure? Do I create these things? But if you have, and if you have someone who has an interest in making something better, right? If you have like a Henry Ford who cares about Detroit, and obviously, I mean, that whole family now, unbelievably rich, just mm -hmm. off that one man, right? Um, that is something that 
I think because we care about Africa and the Caribbean perhaps mm. more than, or at least we talk about it more than anyone else mm. does, unless you're professionally asked to speak about it as someone who isn't, that means that we, I think we would go in there with a different mindset. That's, hope, that's exactly the point so. I was going to make. Is well, the you'd hope, you'd hope right? so, yeah. Because yeah. The, other, the other side to this is really like, who are we to go to, to these places that we weren't born in, that maybe our ancestors were born in, right? And assume certain things about the fact that maybe we're educated people who've got an experience here, that suddenly we can then make things better for anyone else in the countries that, that we're from. Like, who are we to, to have that assumption that perhaps there aren't people there who know the, know the culture, know the country mm. better? But, but, then, but then, yeah, but then why is it about that assumption? Why, why mm. can't it just be for the purpose of education? Like just engaging with mm. home, yeah, yeah. breaking mm. down the barrier that mm. exists mm. between the diasporas. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The other, the other way that I see in this, right, is like you know when people are telling you to go back to where you're really from, they're telling you that with an intent because you as don't, in, as in get out of my country, yeah, get out of my country. You know, well, also, you know there's also the assumption that where you are from is a shit hole anyway. So yeah, like, if you complain about here, why you fuck off back to where you came yeah. from? Kind of thing. I, I was yeah, in, that's, that's that's what the. But is would this be running? Would this be like actually going? I'm gonna listen to you, and I'm gonna. Uh, so I, I was recently revisiting a few Malcolm speeches, mm. and the argument is sound. His separationist mm. argument was pretty irrefutable at the time. Mm. Not necessarily separationist, but the back to Africa school of thought mm. that our our problems, this, he, this man is saying this in the 1960s. Mm. Our problems here are, are they're, they're, they're a write-off. They're beyond repair. It is structural. It's entrenched. It is intrinsic mm. to the identity of America. Amer the, the American dream is built on the backs know, of... The backs no, of, of course. Right? Of course. So, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, over, over in, at the time, obviously, a lot of African nations were securing independence. Mm -hmm. And he's Marco's making all of these arguments about how they're internationally recognized and mm. their human rights are um, observed. And yeah, in some senses, he kind of idealized a lot of what was happening. Mm. But fast forward, you know what? That was, okay, early to mid 60s. End of the 60s, those the Panthers. After the Panthers, what? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? To, in this day and age, what? Like, like my, my, it's not, Malcolm wasn't crazy for saying... What are we even fighting for over here? Mm. He was actually hella logical. And if his um if his argument was given the, the international support that he aspired to, I wonder, I wonder, I, I wonder what um where a lot of African Americans would be and, and 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 what contributions would have been made to the African continent mm. with better intentions. Mm -hmm. Does anyone have any like, knowledge of situation Liberia? No. In terms of like the people that, the former slaves that went back and then started kind of taking on that's, the dominant. That's as much as I know, to be honest. Okay, yeah. No, I, was just, I don't really know too much about it. I was oh. hoping that someone like Tom would just have the, the <laughs> context. Knowledge. Yeah. Uncle Tom and that. But, um, oh yeah, I can't say that shit. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you have to call him Uncle <laughs> Thomas. Yeah. Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what you were saying earlier, Bilal, about um, who are we to kind of assume that there's something that we can add. I think it's a case-by-case -case basis, really, mm -hmm. like... Mm -hmm. I think some countries make it very clear that we could benefit from mm -hmm. our people that have gone away and, mm -hmm. and tra traveled and learned to come back and, and bring their knowledge back home. At the same time, it was funny what you were mentioning about, I don't know if, I don't know if it's been actually touched on yet, but the idea of privilege. So what Patrick was saying, in fact, about whether or not we're going to come in there with the so-called like better intentions yes. than, I don't know, a white Western onwards. Yeah. Um, is a tricky one. I think we would, or the attentions would be good. At the same time, we would probably occupy a certain amount of privilege that the locals wouldn't. And I tweeted this one time, I'm going to sound mad arrogant referencing myself here, but I tweeted, hey, we should all just gentrify Africa. Like we should just all go back to the ends and just gentrify it. Mm. And as much as that was a joke, in all likelihood, we would in some way yeah. kind of gentrify mm. the ends. Like, because yeah. we're going to come set up our own communities with you know, diaspora communities, mm. the things that we're going to set up, the businesses, the kind of the kind of things we like, coffee shops, whatever the case is, yeah. it's going to be at a price that probably won't be affordable to local people. We mm. literally would be judged by that's, no, that's, that's, that's what I was saying before. Yeah, yeah like, that's, the, that's the thing. It's, 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 I think it, 
I think it boils down to like the economic incentive of why would you leave everything you have here to go back home because of opportunity and develop something mm-hmm. and yet do it in a way which is sustainable, which I believe can be done. I still think I still I still think there's enough room for it to be done. Mm-hmm. Um but we'd have to be educated on yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'd and have to put yeah. our minds no, it's to true, it. It's true. Like, I remember yeah. talking to someone who wanted to set up a business in Nigeria. And she said to me, I'm going to Ghana to do it first because Ghana business-wise is Nigeria light in terms of the pace isn't as much. The red tape and the bureaucracy isn't as much there. It's still difficult to, relatively difficult to get business done, but there are protocols mm-hmm. that have to be learned for things to actually get, you know, for for a business to, to be registered and completed and kicked off and stuff like that. But I've, I do, I think about this more and more and I think about myself and I'm like, what do I actually want to end up doing in the next 20 years? Why do I, why am I acquiring these skills? Or maybe not, but why am I acquiring skills and sound bites here and there? For what purpose? Mm. You know, is it, is it, and it's like, this is, you know, that's why I applaud you for even doing the freelance thing, because it's like, in a sense, you're taking some of your own creative control. Fine, there's 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 kind of more volatility from a, a from a monetary standpoint, but at least you have your own your own creative control in that regard. You can do what you want, kind of when you want, you know. And there's a question going back home: what kind of opportunity does that bring for me, and what skills can I bring across? But I I think I would be very conscious of not going in just for a, a pure profit, profit motive. Mm-hmm. And I say this because when I think about, as I was saying earlier, when I think about these huge national champions that have been around for such a long time, they have basically, I don't want to say, they, they have done right. They've done right in the sense of they've, you know, they've created education, they've created jobs, they've created infrastructure, they've done everything that you, depending on where you sit politically, what you'd imagine a state to go and do, have to do or should at least contribute to doing. These are what some of the national champions have done and it's been a generational thing as well. And I think another thing is that here, I kind of wonder what kind of generational generational wealth I can pass down apart from real estate and whatever. Apart from that, what can I actually go and mm. do? Because I think some, sometimes I think that kind of train has left and gone in terms of being able to rapidly develop something, you know, unless you get into tech or whatever. But I think in Africa, I often think that, especially in Africa, all you have to do is take a business idea, which is working well here, mm. team up with someone in Africa who knows 100%. what's going on on the ground and implement something there and it's going to work and you can do it almost better than what you're doing here. Mm. I genuinely think that can be done. So that's kind of my question is, do I want to be here for the next 20 years? Fine, I, you know, I mm. say the reason why I kept quiet earlier is because I've never been to Ghana. Because mm. my mum, when she, she left Ghana, she had a really bad childhood. So she never mm. ever... Um, Went back to Ghana. So she was traumatized. Yeah. And so I would say, oh, why can't we go Ghana? She said, no, nah, maybe next year, son, next year, son. Yeah. We had a conversation about it, which is, I mean, it's not for the for, for the radio, um, but not for the podcast, sorry. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I, when she explained it to me, I said, fair enough, I understand why you've not gone back. I um, mean, it makes sense, but I'd like to, and I would like to go back to Ghana. Yeah. Um, and I would like to even set up business there and help someone develop. Because mm. I am pretty sure, not in terms of responsibility, but I am pretty sure that we have all... There are protocols that we can bring along with us, skills, stories that we can bring along and they can help us and we can learn from each other and we mm-hmm. can create this kind of, I don't want to call it symbiotic, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. but there's something we can create mm-hmm. and there's Just still opportunities. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I've got yeah. a couple of examples though, like even what you're saying, Tom, of how it can work. I was on Instagram one time and I came across a business called Hive Earth, right? And basically what they do is they produce like buildings, housing, etc., using... Um, essentially using earth they can make like really good um, rather than as an alternative to like cement yeah they have like a, a way in which they can compact the earth to produce is is like a lot it's just as sturdy and just as reliable but mm. um, it keeps the inside cooler it insulates mm. the, the inside better than like standard concrete and there's loads of benefits so it's you, cheaper so to you actually, so you're saying then that mud actually insulates and keeps things so cooler not, than co- it, concrete it regulates the, okay. the the temperature better. So when it's when it's warm, it's mm. cooler inside. When it's colder, right. it's and warmer it, inside. Isn't that funny how like in the West people will will refer to mud, mud huts mm-hmm. in such a derogatory way? Mm. Exactly, exactly. It's fit for purpose, yeah. isn't it? So this is like a modern take on the traditional mm. village mud hut, okay, but obviously right. they're built like proper like mm-hmm. modern houses, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And this was set up by a Ghanaian girl from London, and she's gone back home, collaborated with a local Ghanaian guy who has the whole background in construction and what have you, and teamed up and set up like a really good business that's doing well. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, so there's there's examples there. Yeah, They're right. not getting as publicized as, as much yeah, as they yeah, should yeah. be, mm-hmm. which is probably on us to kind of build a platform where we can speak about mm-hmm. these. Yeah, there's one girl, um, I'm just giving bare people plugs now, but it's called um, I plug them, The Only Way is them. Ghana. And she like tries to do this. And my, even my cousin, Annette, yeah. She tries to put these things out like so people can know what's going on, what opportunities are mm. out there. And then Annette is sick, man. Shout out. Yeah, man. Shout out, man. Education, man. Mm. Um, and but I mean, then, even what you're doing with um, come on, yeah, that come yeah on. that's man. another come thing. Because obviously, we're trying to with the way the, the the market works in the kind of chocolate industry. You have all these growers and farmers in Ghana, Ivory Coast. Um, you know, different regions, even in Nigeria, there's like a growing kind of cocoa growing population. But like, yeah, for the most part, 90% or so is produced in Ghana. And then there's a few spots in like Grenada and whatever in the Caribbean as well. And despite the fact that the industry is worth 100 billion plus, the growers themselves only see about 2% of that value. And they're for the most part living a subsist- on subsistence yeah. kind of yeah. lifestyle. So what we're trying to do is and obviously we're starting really small because we're more on the retail side of things, but trying to purchase from them at a price that's above market level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that at least they're seeing more money from their, their work and that can improve their standard of living, mm-hmm. can put money aside, save for like mm-hmm. different things, mm-hmm. take the kids to school, whatever. Mm. And at the same time, there's the bigger picture goal of actually going back home and producing in mm-hmm. Ghana. Like mm-hmm. unless you have an actual plant, mm-hmm. like a factory mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that needs to happen. And then even mm. on a smaller scale, when I was last in Ghana, um, I made I made good friends with a guy out there in the Volta region. And he like, just from observing, we were working together on a project and I could just see like, boom, this guy's like trustworthy, he's on job, he's work, he's hard working, what have you. And he, his whole goal was to set up like um, a shop that sells hygienic products, like uh, women's hygienic products, mm-hmm. sanitary pads and things like that. Um, not a lot of people know, but sometimes getting access to those things is quite difficult, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he, that was the kind of background he had in terms of environmental studies and uh, hygiene and what have you. And I basically dropped him some peas towards it, do you know what I mean? To set up like a little small shop. Um, and I still chat to this guy like pretty much every mm. week to this day. Wow. And the business is doing Respect well. It's a small it? thing, Respect but it's stuff. doing well in it. I'm not yeah. really... I kind of did it as a leap of faith. Like, I wasn't really expecting to see my money back, you know what I mean? But, um... You got equity in that, or? Pretty, like, there's, there's no contracts. Like, yeah, 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 you know I mean? but yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, yeah, yeah. it's a thing where I said, boom, do you know what? Get it going, let it run, whatever. Like, mm. feed your family, save whatever, whatever you can. When I come back, whatever point we can see, if it needs, a, if it needs like, further investment in order to, like, mm-hmm. make it bigger, That's then we can dumb, chat man. about it. But, That's um, the way, man. I think there's little things we can do even on that yeah. micro level mm-hmm. and build that that collaboration, that relationship. And it's, yeah. Yeah. at some point we can grow that out, make it more on a macro level. Because I think at the end of the day, like we're, we're going to spend money, aren't we? Like, and mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. when it comes to like, when we're talking about being gentrifiers and things like that, I think there's no getting away from the fact that we are products of our environment. Um, we're not. There's, there's nothing that we can really do to change who we are as consumers, mm. at least, you know, we, we we are, we've accumulated a certain amount of wealth and we've 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 taken on a certain lifestyle that is it's very, very difficult to, to change that, right? Mm. So if we are going to spend money and if we are going to invest, depends how you feel about where you live and mm-hmm. where, where you come from. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like in this country, you don't, there isn't very much for you here or you don't feel like you are welcomed in this country, then there's sorely a strong argument then yeah. to say, yeah, yeah, spend that money, you know, use that capital somewhere where you feel that yeah. you are going to be able to, like, even even if you think, okay, like, who am I just, like, I'm just, contrib- like, who am I to think that I'm making a massive contribution? Mm. To be honest, like, I, I don't know, I'd, I say this with, you know, a, a pinch of salt, but every little helps, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And if you feel like, here, I'm investing, I'm buying property here, blah, blah, blah. And this country, you know, I'm paying taxes. Why am I paying taxes here, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't feel like I benefit from this country in the way that other citizens in this country should um, mm. should do or do already. Then, yeah, surely yeah, there's think, an argument. There I to, think collaboration to... is very important. And one thing that, I was just, I was talking to somebody about creatives the other day and I said, 
I like creatives, but I said they're rubbish when it comes to finances. Shut up. Because bro. of the fact that they're no, but because of the fact <laughs> that they're creatives. Attack, you know. No, because of the That's fact true. that they're creatives. They're they don't, you talk to them about you know equity financing, debt financing. You talk to them about things that are important for them, right? And they, you know, important for you know the steps they should be taking That's or when true. they want to sign things. They don't know, and it's like mm. we should be able to help. I.e., people who are non-creative should be able to help them or whatever. And it's, you know, I am. If you want to talk about yeah. finances, Tom, I'm drag happy me, to talk. Please. Drag me. Yeah, I'm happy to talk. I'm happy to talk to anyone about. Fi- no, no, but you know, I think collaboration <laughs> is, is, is important <laughs> and helping people's weak areas in that yeah. sense. You know what I mean? And mm. I think, um, I was I met a client the other day, really interesting client, um, who was one of the kind of first individual investors in one of the best supercars and the brands in the world. We won't go into that, but they were talking about um, one of the companies they they like is a company called Temasek. A Temasek is a, because what we call sovereign wealth fund. It looks after state assets. It is given funds by the state to invest in different things. Mm. And Temasek is the sovereign wealth fund for uh, Singapore and invests in assets across the world and returns the money back to people. And that is something I think will be great for. I don't know a few African countries have sovereign wealth funds, but not probably as big as Temasek. There's another one called Adia, which is in Abu Dhabi, who invest. They, they they buy our government bonds, I say, our the UK government bonds, and give the money that returns back to their people. That's kind of, I think, what we need to get to. Maybe mm-hmm. not sovereign wealth fund level, but there is something we need to do to kind of create this system where we keep the money in-house, or at least mm-hmm. we keep some of the returns. Well, what you're mm. talking about, in fact, the common theme of what we're all talking about, which is ironic, even this is this is the Over the Bridge podcast, is education. Mm-hmm. It's like it all starts in the information that is deemed worthy of us considering and growing with. Preach. And like every everything that you said um, about before you was talking about dapper chocolates. I'm, so I'm, tr- I'm trying to quickly to anyone who can't, everyone who can't see <laughs> <laughs> everything that you said about yeah, basic no no yeah yeah. So your investment in that person's um, local business. And also Dapper Chocolates and everything else that you mentioned. It's about people having worthwhile information Mm. that is relative to what's going on on the ground and making a considered contribution. Now, Mm. without a a system, without a structure for disseminating that kind of thinking, Mm. all of this stuff is piecemeal. Do you get me? Like just Mm. pockets of activity from people that have that impetus. So it's basically people that would have done it anyway. Mm. But if there was a way of just feeding in and aware I think it comes from an awareness like an awareness of the social economic realities of people's um context of people's situation mm-hmm. where you grew up mm-hmm. versus the, the the place your parents came from if that was kind of embedded um into people's um development then I feel like we'd all be in a position to make more meaningful contributions mm-hmm. yeah. as mm-hmm. adults and that, that's why For this sure. guy killed Question Time, you know, mm. stuff like that. But um, no, I just want to, on that point, sort of, I think Party it's Fox, worth, like kind of wrapping up this conversation here because yeah. we could go on and on and on about this, but I feel like we've hit the nail on the head really, right? Yeah. That mm. yeah. Should we go back to where we're really from? Well, if we are going to go back to where we're really from, it's about the mindset and the attitude of which we're going back. Like, are we going back to make the most out of a, like a foreseen opportunity? Um, or are we going back there to sort of go back there with a mindset of, okay, I want to learn from the people who are actually there in a way that the examples Kwaku gave earlier on sort mm-hmm. of talked mm-hmm. about. And I want to build this as a legacy project that's actually reinvested in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about me, like going back being like, I'm smart, I was born in, in London, like going back there being like, actually, what can I take from the knowledge I've got to help existing structures in the countries that I'm from to build mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone wants to get involved in a conversation, of course, at us, at OTB Podcast UK, am I right? Yeah, yeah. So that's who yeah. we are. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I forgot. Just at us on there. Um, Should we have a hashtag as well? It's hashtag OTB chats or something. Hashtag like OTB chats. Let's do it. Season two, new things. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag OTB chats <laughs> to join in the conversation. Um, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. Should you go back to where you're really from? Should we just stay here? Like, what are the arguments for and against? It'd be great to hear from you guys. Um, it's been a great episode back. 
And we're looking forward to bringing more chats to you over the next season. Come on. So thank you very much, everyone. Thank you very yeah, much, yeah. George. Good morning, Respect. good Special afternoon, guest. good evening, good night. Special Shout guest, George, George, the po- George the Poet. Hey. Yes, yeah. guys. Shout out. Thank, thank you, you for joining much. us, George. Thank, thank you for having me, brothers. Yeah, for man. anyone that knows, George was actually supposed to be here in the first place. If you listen carefully to the first episode, it's if like... You listen, yeah. yeah, go back to episode one, yeah? We're waiting for George. It took a whole season, yeah? He's like, hey. The way he introduced himself at the start. I'm, I'm George, like I've been here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> What's yeah, up, like, everyone? Hey. Just tested that people weren't listening for the last season. <laughs> but um, no, it's been great having you in the studio today, George. Um, yeah. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Wow.